Welcome to the Faith and Feelings Podcast. My name is Taylor Joy, and I'm passionate about helping you untangle and honor your emotions, authentically practice your faith, and integrate both into your everyday life so that you can experience the goodness and delight that comes from living in relationship with yourself, God, and others. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Have you ever wondered where your anxiety comes from? Today, we are going to be talking about childhood trauma and patterns of anxiety in adulthood. And let me just say from the start of this episode, this topic is messy and complex. It's also incredibly individual to our own unique stories and experiences. I know that you come to this episode with past hurts and pain that I don't know about and haven't experienced, so I want to begin with some disclaimers. This episode is certainly not a comprehensive look at this topic. Rather, I'm approaching this conversation from a more personal standpoint, and my goal is to highlight some key insights on childhood trauma and anxiety that I found to be most helpful in my journey. Second, this episode is not intended to be prescriptive. Although childhood trauma and anxiety can be connected, this is not always the case. This is also not always the case every time we feel anxiety. As you listen, I want to simply invite you to be curious about any points or connections that may resonate with you. By the end of this episode, my hope is that you'll have a beginning framework for considering some ways that your past story might be contributing to your present experience of anxiety. Next week, I'll continue the conversation by highlighting three specific ways that childhood trauma and anxiety can be connected. Why is this important? We can't heal from or learn how to cope well with our anxiety if we don't know where it's coming from. Understanding what experiences may have contributed to our anxiety as well as what underlying beliefs might be fueling it is an essential part of our healing journey. Although this is important, it's not easy. Today, I think that negative events during childhood are commonly misunderstood as affecting us less. I've often heard people say things like, children are resilient, or they're so young, they won't even remember that. This is far from true. Developmental trauma is actually one of the most impactful and long-lasting traumas that we can experience. Childhood trauma plays a huge role in shaping our brains and nervous systems. It's instrumental in the formation of our personalities, perceptions, and the way that we learn how to engage in relationships. I think that childhood trauma is especially difficult for Christians to name and acknowledge. If you grew up in a faith context, you may have gotten used to describing your childhood in a very vague and condensed way, like, I grew up in a Christian home. I've said and heard that line a lot, but in my experience, I've seen how that sentence, although true, can become a blanket statement in order to avoid the complexities of a childhood that held both good and hard. I was raised in a family where I was deeply loved, but no childhood is perfect. Every child experiences pain that shapes and forms them in ways that God grieves over and never wanted for them. Whether your story holds bullying, 
abuse, loss, rejection, or instability, every one of us has experienced pain. I did. But if we've been taught a superficial understanding of verses like Romans 8.28, which talks about God working everything together for our good, we may have never learned that there is room for our grief, anger, and doubt. We may feel guilty about revisiting parts of our stories that feel confusing, painful, or the exact opposite of good. From the time I was a little girl, I began living out a theology that trusting God's goodness in my circumstances looked like denying any emotion or experience that didn't feel good in my heart. But living out the healing and wholeness that God intended for us begins with naming the parts of our past experiences and childhoods that weren't good or right. We are continually invited to learn how to hold space for, rather than minimize or deny the painful experiences that we've been through. Naming is the start of healing. As we continue our conversation today, I encourage you to keep this in mind. Briefly interrupting this episode to invite you to the Faith and Feelings Substack, a weekly Wednesday email and reader's favorite that allows us to continue the conversation we start here on the podcast. These emails include personalized resources, recommended links, and reflection questions designed to help you process each week's episode more deeply, both individually and in community. Click the link in this episode's show notes to become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month and begin investing in your own spiritual and emotional health today. Typically, a pattern of anxiety in someone's life stems from a combination of factors, such as genetics, learned coping strategies, chronic stress, and traumatic events. A 2020 study on childhood trauma and adult anxiety found a particularly strong link between traumatic events during childhood and anxiety during adulthood. We've talked a lot about what anxiety is in previous episodes, so make sure to go back and listen if you haven't yet. But what exactly is trauma? There are numerous definitions for numerous kinds of trauma, but I want to touch on some key definitions from an emotional and theological standpoint. Although traumatic experiences often involve physical danger, many do not. Developmental trauma can arise from any situation where a child feels overwhelmed, isolated, and unsafe. And this is extremely individual. Something could be traumatic for one child that wouldn't be traumatic for another. Why is this? Because surprisingly, trauma is not necessarily what happens to you. Rather, trauma is what happens inside of you because of the things that happen to you. Gaber Mate, a physician and author, defines trauma as this. Trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. I think this is so powerful. Essentially, trauma is a lasting emotional response that results from living through a distressing experience where we felt alone, overwhelmed, and powerless in our pain. Trauma is not a one-time event that stays in the past and eventually fades over time. 
trauma is not that neat and tidy. When we experience certain types of childhood trauma, the structure and function of our brain literally changes, specifically involving our capacity to emotionally regulate, our self-awareness, and our ability to accurately attribute thoughts or intentions to others. The brains of adults who have experienced childhood trauma are often primed to notice the smallest changes in the facial expressions of others. They often feel on edge, and this learned hypervigilance can result in moving through life with a constantly overwhelmed nervous system. This isn't by choice. Rather, these tendencies are learned ways of coping with their world. In this sense, trauma is something that results from a distressing experience or set of circumstances and then lives inside of us and impacts how we live out today. As therapist and the author of My Grandmother's Hands describes, trauma is stored in our bodies as a wordless story that tells us what is safe and what is not. When we think about traumatic events or circumstances, I think that a lot of us automatically imagine huge, devastating, catastrophic events. Because of this common misconception, many of us may look back on our lives and discount ourselves from ever experiencing trauma because we think that the pain that we've experienced is too small to be considered traumatic. But trauma isn't just those huge, devastating, catastrophic events. It can also be those hundreds of small moments and events throughout your childhood that stung like paper cuts over and over again and that have shaped who you are today. In his book, The Soul of Desire, Dr. Kurt Thompson describes trauma in this way. Trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances perceived by the individual as physically or emotionally overwhelming, which has lasting adverse effects on functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Effects one also perceives himself or herself to be powerless to change. In this sense, trauma refers more to one's perception and response to an event than the event itself. Did you notice the word that was repeated in that quote? Perception. Trauma is connected more to our perception of what has happened to us than the facts of what happened. That's why trauma is so individual. It doesn't just result from things like serious injury, acts of violence like abuse or assault, or life-threatening circumstances. Traumas can be as small as the perceptions that you made as a child about your safety when you got separated from your family in a crowd or scraped your knee and had no one to comfort you. They can be as small as the perceptions you made about being seen and cared for when you couldn't get the attention of a parent. And they can be as small as the perceptions that you made about your abilities or appearance that you've since lived out of from that comment made by a teacher or a coach. From a theological standpoint, we see trauma appear for the first time in Genesis 3. Trauma is the byproduct of living in a fallen world and became a reality when sin did. My friend Ashley, who is certified in narrative-focused trauma care, defines trauma as this, the sustained effects of being sinned against. 
The word for trauma is derived from the Greek word to wound. The truth is, trauma is inescapable because the world that we live in is marred by sin. Everyone experiences trauma to some degree. During his earthly ministry, Jesus did. But this is also true. God knows about the trauma experienced by every single person. He knows the details of how that trauma came about, and he hates and grieves over the wickedness that caused such pain. The beautiful part about the gospel is that the blood of Jesus didn't just cover the sins that we committed, but also the sins that were committed against us. Because of the resurrection, God offers healing and redemption for the brokenness that we have experienced. He was with us during our experiences of trauma, and He is also waiting and inviting us to go back into these parts of our stories with Him, to name the reality of our suffering, and to experience healing here. So why is all of this so important to understand in light of our present anxiety? A pattern of anxiety in someone's life is not random. Oftentimes, I think that many of us can be so focused on avoiding or getting rid of the uncomfortable sensations of anxiety that we rarely consider why anxiety might be showing up in our lives or where it's coming from. This has certainly been true for me. If you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me say that anxiety isn't a problem to fix, but a signal pointing us to something deeper. Those uncomfortable sensations of anxiety can only begin to lessen as we slow down and begin to listen to what our anxiety is trying to tell us. And it's often trying to tell us some really important things about the story of our lives up to this point. However, engaging in this work of deeper reflection requires immense courage. None of us easily step into our stories. I was 18 when, for the first time, I began to realize that I had a story and that my story mattered. I once heard it said that no one changes until the pain level gets high enough. Many of us never consider the reality and impact of our stories until the pain level gets high enough. Oftentimes, it's in seasons of difficulty or personal crisis that we begin to wake up to the ways that our pasts have shaped us. We face the reality that the way we've learned to live our lives is no longer working. For me, panic attacks and an eating disorder were the catalyst that invited me more deeply into my story. They were both like arrows, pointing me back to unprocessed pain that was still living inside of me. So as we close, I want to invite you to simply notice what rises up in you when you consider reflecting on your story and what might be underneath your present anxiety. As you think about your life up to this point, notice if any specific memories surface. What emotions bubble up inside of you when you consider revisiting your childhood? Do you feel resistance, curiosity, shame, grief, or fear? How might God be inviting you to step into your story? And what feels most scary about saying yes to this invitation? Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on Instagram at TaylorJoy. 
If this conversation was helpful and you'd like more information about my other offerings to engage your story more deeply, check out my website, taylorjoymurray.co. 